This is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to like city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to uh, to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to vote. And welcome to another jam-packed edition of the Municipals. I'm Matthew, and I'm Philip, and Today, I'm Josh of course, Matlow. we are joined. <laughs> it's Josh Matlow. He he beat me to the introduction. I was going to get to him. No, no, no. It's even better. Um, Josh Matlow, current sitting city councilor and mayoral candidate. Uh, welcome to the Municipals, Josh. Good to be here. Thank you. Uh, you know. We are blessed to have you here. I, I got to ask, you know, we had Anthony Peruza on, what was it, a couple weeks ago. And so, yeah. uh, and right afterwards, he put mm-hmm. it up on Twitter. He, he challenged all the city councillors to come on here. And I'm just wondering if you spoke to him about uh, about us. It's okay if you didn't. I I honestly, uh, I, I haven't spoken to him in, in many weeks. Um, but Philip, Philip was the one who invited me on. I was really happy to take you up on it. Absolutely. Uh, Philip. Listen, they've all been too busy campaigning. <laughs> they they haven't been able to talk to each other. Of course, that's on top of Anthony's I just, mind. I, did, I didn't expect him to, to vote for me. So, you know. Like... <laughs> you know, uh, I do have a, a set of questions that I want to ask you, but I, I still would like to start wherever we normally start with all our candidates, which is uh, if you just like to give us maybe what you think is the top three sort of issues facing the city right now that you would like to resolve. Matt, I'll go ahead. The, um, I mean, there, there are many issues that are important to people, but if you were to sort of put it into, um, you know, general themes, I hear from uh, people across our city that uh, affordability, uh, in particular, housing affordability, is just like it's just out of control. Uh, whether it be um, rent, like just rent, really is just not affordable for most people anymore, and it's getting worse, especially since Doug Ford removed rent control. Um, and, um, and, and just the dream of home ownership, like, it's just not, it's not in the cards for most people now. So they don't even think that that's ever going to be a reality. And it's really sad that that is what, what our city is like these days. And we need to work on that. Um, safety, um, whether it be, um, just feeling more vulnerable, uh, when riding the TTC and, um, uh, you know, some people are actually choosing not to ride the TTC because they, they just don't feel comfortable anymore. Uh, along with road safety, um, you know, there's a num- number of different issues when it comes to safety, including supporting uh, youth at risk who, you know, who feel often safe in, in their own neighborhoods. And um, and then just livability, meaning uh, services, like just the basic services that we rely on have just been allowed to decline uh, because we've had leaders who have not been upfront about what it takes to pay for them, uh, what it takes to improve them. And have created a culture at City Hall that uh, that you know essentially allows you know asks uh, city managers to manage and put out fires and you know tell us that everything's fine with the the, the very little that we give them to to succeed on, rather than uh, you know reach for something further than the height of mediocrity. So we need to do a lot better. So what's great is Josh is you've you've accidentally stumbled upon a great launching pad for what my my question is going to be. Um, and 
the basis of the question does come from, I want to give a shout out to uh, Jenny Warden. She was a candidate for 19, uh, came second place. She's great. Um, and it, it touches down with an issue with um, trust, trust and integrity at City Hall. And, you know, it's just, it's something that a lot of people, and I feel like really trust in government in general is is a huge issue. Yeah. And, and especially like you've been, you've been dinged from <laughs> maybe that's, is one that's, way to put it yeah that is yeah that's definitely the way to phrase it um for for speaking out against city staff my understanding of the situation is um you know they they essentially were giving out a report that was <clears throat> inaccurate if i'm if i'm understanding the situation it, you know around and i mean in my mind, it was a big election issue. The last municipal election, you know, the parks not being opened on time um, and city staff giving uh, kind of the opposite information of from the reality. Um, so, of course, Josh, you 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 speak up against that as, or rather not that you do. You did. Um, and you got in trouble for it. How do we how do we tackle this culture of. How do you make city hall an institution that we can trust if and that makes sense and therefore actually care to vote and get involved because you think that it might do something honest and real i, I get it i like uh there i mean there's a reason why a lot of people don't vote they just don't they they don't see the benefit they don't they're not convinced that it that it'll help anything and i and i i want people to actually believe in it again and um it, it's got to come from a culture change both at the uh the staff level and also at the political level Meaning, um, city staff need to be empowered to um, to not only just, <clears throat> as I said, like put out fires and manage and never ask for more, if, even if they know that they need to do better, um, but come to us and speak truth to power and say, uh, you know, we have a vision for how to make things a lot better, and this is what we need, and we need you to debate whether or not you're going to invest in what we need to succeed, but we're going to tell you the truth. We're going to tell you if it's going to break if you don't do that. Um, that's what I want. And that's certainly the guidance that I'm going to be providing as mayor. Um, and at the political level, I just like, there are too many decisions that are based on whatever the the political motivations are rather than actually what the evidence guides us toward. And I also, have you noticed that like every press conference that politicians in most cases hold are just to tell you how awesome everything is, and what a great job they're doing and why you should vote for them. And I, I just think that we need to also sometimes hold a press conference and say, you know, we, um, we can do a lot better. Uh, here are our problems. We actually need to engage you in this discussion because if we don't, we're not going to improve the situation. Uh, or we screwed up and we need to improve on it. But um, I, I really, I mean, I, I've, I, I believe that I've done well in my local elections, largely because even people who will come to me and say, I you know, I, I like a lot of what you've done, but I disagree with you on some things. Trust that I arrived at my conclusion, honestly, that I didn't just do it because a lobbyist told me to, or the mayor sent me a cheat sheet to vote on or all that kind of stuff, but that they believe that I, that I genuinely arrived there. And they've also seen even my, my views on various subjects evolve over the years, like normal human beings do if you're thoughtful. So um, I just think that's how you build an accountability where you, you're just really transparent and accountable about you know, what you're doing and why you're doing it rather than just spin or manipulate or just tell people what they want to hear. You know, Josh, 
I wanted to tell you something. I hope you take it as a compliment because okay. I really, I really mean it as a compliment. I'm getting ready for this. <laughs> I know, I know that you lived through the Rob Ford years. I got to be honest with you. I'm a big Rob Ford fan, and before he became That's mayor, sure. <laughs> before he became mayor, um, he was kind of like the lone wolf. And it seems to me, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but that seems to be the kind of the role that you're filling now, the lone wolf. Um, and, and now this is your chance to be mayor and, and I'm, I'm very excited for you and I, and I hope it works out. Uh, not really a question. I just, I just wanted to say that. And uh, <clears throat> I, I hope you, I hope you take that as a compliment because I certainly meant it. As a... <laughs> well, no, I, I, listen, I, I, <laughs> I appreciate the certainly the spirit in which you you mean it. Um, I, <laughs> I can't I can't say that I was as big a fan of Rob Ford as as you might be, um, just because I, I I just had such strong disagreements with so many things uh, that he did and how he did it. You lived it. Uh, you lived through it. I, and I did. Yes. <laughs> and you're 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 triggering something now. It was, it was a pretty pretty <laughs> uh, pretty, uh, pretty crazy experience. That being said, though, um, I mean. I, I, I perhaps I'm I'm perceived like that by some because um, I don't I don't just sort of do whatever I'm you know told so that I can get the the plum committee appointment or or that kind of stuff I, I just don't live that way I don't I don't I I know it's harder in politics but I I feel better about it about how I uh, conduct myself in that way That being said though um, a lot of it's overblown I'm, I mean I actually get along with a lot of people at City Hall I, I have friendships I, I work. I mean, all the accomplishments that I that I can uh, tell you about. I mean, I I I I didn't do it alone. Like I worked with whether it be colleagues at council or <clears throat> excuse me, community leaders to to advance what we care about. Whether it be advocacy for uh, seniors, the Toronto Senior Strategy, or the Youth Equity Strategy, or the the Youth Spaces, or protection for renters. Like the list goes long. And I'm, you didn't invite me on here to do that, but I just mean I didn't do all that. As a lone wolf, like I really oh, didn't I, collaborate with people to achieve those. I understand that, and you know, now I'll ask a question. Um, yeah, you know, all this is um, a, like a large theme of this election is the the deficit, the budget. So, yeah. um, what what steps will you take to address the budget, both in um, uh, revenue tools and also uh, finding efficiencies? Uh, first of all, I mean, thank you for the premise of your question that you're recognizing that we need to do all of it. Um, and, and anyone who says otherwise, is just not being realistic because the, uh, uh, just to contextualize it for your viewers and listeners, um, we have roughly a $1.5 billion uh, shortfall that is, you know, temporarily being covered up by rating the reserves, which is irresponsible. And, uh, and it is projected that we're going to have a $46 billion shortfall over the next decade. Which means that, like, we are we are in serious trouble unless we actually address it, and uh, and rather than just kind of pretend that everything's fine. Um, so, I'm going to do everything from, uh, and as I said from the get go of this election, uh, I am going to raise property taxes over the rate of inflation. Uh, we have to. I know you're not supposed to say that during an election, but it is reality. It's honest. Uh, I like it. Well, I mean, yeah. Like, and you know what? Everyone's going to have to do it. Like, if we're really going to be honest, like, there's because. Our city's broke. We're going to have to. I'd rather just level with people. That's what I'm going to do. And I put out an example that 2%, even just 2% above, is 
really 67 bucks for the average homeowner, right? That's that comes down to $5.55 per month, which is a fraction of the price of having a Netflix subscription. Like we can we can all pitch in, invest in improving our services and making sure that we take care of each other. That's what I want for Toronto because we we all deserve it. We deserve a city that works. Um, I also know that we need to look at other revenue tools, whether it be uh, a corporate um, a commercial parking lot levy, which could bring in between, you know, 170 to, to between 500 and 600 million dollars per year, which staff project. Um, you know, we need to um, look at, you know, what we call efficiencies, whether it be, I mean, I, I think the city spends far too much on consultants fees when we should be doing more in-house. Um, the plans for the gardener now are just like, just bonkers. Um, uh, and just to be clear, like there's this misinformation, sometimes deliberate out there that we're having a debate about whether or not we're going to like knock down the gardener. That's not happening. Most of the gardener is not in question. And the section that I'm referring to, which will most likely end up being east of Cherry to the Dawn, there's no debate over whether it's going to come down. It is coming down. It's either going to be brought down or it's going to fall down on people. So it has to come down. No one is actually arguing otherwise. The question is, will it be elevated like they used to do in the 1950s or on the ground? I believe we need to do it on the ground. We'll save between 500 and 600 million dollars. We'll ensure that we don't stick, you know, the next generation with annual life cycle maintenance costs that are that are really high for elevated expressways. We'll open up 5.4 acres uh, of land for housing and we'll still connect the DVP to the rest of the gardener. Um, and the reality is we're broke, so we have to make decisions, even if they're difficult. Um, and I'm gonna be using those savings toward actual priorities. Do you realize that that's like 34% of the entire capital budget sucked up where we're not repairing roads in every local neighborhood? Uh, you know, we're, we need to spend that money on housing. We need to spend that money on reversing the cuts to the TTC, which was another stupid decision. So there are things that we need to just get our own house in order. While I admit to you, no mayoral candidate has answered the question about how to actually address the full budget pressure, because that will take uh, a, a new financial and governance framework arrangement with the other levels of government, which I have a strategy to achieve, but it's not going to be like what, you know, uh, Anna Bylaw suggested, for example, which is Doug Ford just out of the goodness of his heart uploading the DVP in the garden. <laughs> he just told us two weeks ago he's not going to do that. So I'd rather live in the real world and actually, you know, deal with deal with reality. And what about the, uh, sorry, Phil, I'll give you the next question. What about the, the single biggest line item in the city budget, the, the police budget, what do we do to rein that under control? We rein it under control. <laughs> Great answer. That's, you know, that's all we need. Just uh, you know, acknowledge no, that I mean, it needs to be reined in. It, that's all we want. And not just the police uh, budget. I, I really, I really do believe that we need to start looking at, um, you know, stabilizing the inflationary costs and then investing those funds into um more proactive uh ways to address community safety um there, there's been more and more money put toward that 1.16 billion dollar budget and yes the police should be supported to do what police should do but even like rank and file police officers will tell you they tell me that they're not public health nurses they're not youth workers they're not 
uh, mental health crisis responders. Uh, they're not outreach workers. Uh, we need to invest in our communities. We need to make sure that youth uh, have real options, whether it be support for trauma counseling, homework help, uh, employment training, and actual opportunities, youth spaces. Uh, on the TTC, for example, rather than spend money that we don't have on having police just arbitrarily standing around just in case something might happen, we should be uh, expanding our, you know, a rapid uh, response with mental health crisis uh, responders who uh, who have the training and knowledge to identify individuals who might have the potential of violence and de-escalate them and actually prevent a tragedy from occurring in the first place. Working with transit control. There are things that we can do to approach community safety that doesn't always involve police. Well, interestingly enough, sorry, Phil, I got to take this one because you, you, you brought it up. Um, I read, I can't remember <laughs> where it was in the paper or something, that the, the, the TTC actually had it in their capital budget, the uh, the barriers, which are going to start at Young Bloor Station. Um, and I'm just wondering, it it came out of nowhere like it was a big secret. And I'm just wondering um, if you can offer any uh, um, insight on that. Not at all. It was just announced the other day, and that's great. Uh, I, you know, again, I think that we need to have a discussion about their budget. Hello over there. Uh, discussion about their budget, because... Um, you know, what, what, what I like, listen, I, I think the screens are a great idea. That being said, they cost roughly $10 million a station. We've got over 60 stations. We've got to you know be real about this. Uh, this comes right at a time when, uh, when the former mayor and the TTC supported cutting the TTC because they said that they didn't have enough money for the basics and then hiked the fares. So all of a sudden, magically, we've got all these millions of dollars. I mean, that's if, if magic works, that's great. I don't believe that's the way you address budgets. Um, so um, I would begin now on a reversing the cuts because um, I, I at a debate recently I used this example like if a restaurant you know gave you crappy service and then hiked the price of their menu, would you go there, right? And you know the TTC had the same experience. The the fares went up. The uh, service went down, became less reliable, less safe, less affordable at a time when we're trying to incentivize riders back onto the, the TTC, which also will help address congestion and improve our environment and help people's lives. So um, that's our that's my first priority. I also will be investing in expanding transit, such as the Eglinton East LRT up to Malvern, extending Shepherd to Nielsen. Um, but I'm showing how I'm going to pay for that, too. It's not going to be... Uh, the uh, the the approach that you know that I've advocated against over many years, and ultimately, um, if we are to move on screens, I also think we also need to weigh, uh, you know, priorities such as where's the budget to ensure that every subway station is genuinely and fully accessible to people with disabilities, which has been ignored. Um, so, um, I guess in short form, I'll say I don't know how that announcement happened. I'm curious to find out more, and certainly as mayor, I'm going to be setting priorities that are based on uh, the budget we have and and the focuses that have been unmet thus far. Bill, go ahead. All right. Uh, you know, a few thoughts. I'm going to start with the fact that I, I mean, I, I told you when I met you last Sunday that I, I appreciated that you are willing to, to sort of say out loud things that weren't very politically, I don't know, nice to say out loud. Um, and I also... I appreciate you right now calling out the whole, I don't want to specifically call out 
uh, Anna Bailao, but it's it's very strange that she continues to say in her campaigning that she's going to go to the province about the Gardner and the DVP when Doug Ford has definitively stated that's not happening. So, I mean, that's that's just ridiculous. But to jump back to um, where we were talking about with the police and the the mental health kind of pilot, you know, city council, it feels like city council moves very slowly and very often will either defer things to, to do more research, do more more studies or very limited pilot programs. Yes. And I, I'm just wondering if there's a way that the city can sort of, how do we make the city move faster in a way that's not, <laughs> I I don't want to say dangerous. I, I feel like the, the pace in which the city, yeah. the city tries these new things is glacial. You know, it, like just, not to get into the hyperbole about it, but just like really like if you do if you deal with it thoughtfully, there are things that don't need to take a million years and be done in this like really timid way. And there are other things that really do need some consideration because you don't want to do something that doesn't make sense or isn't helpful. So it all depends on what we're talking about, right? Like for example, um if you're, you know, if you're um I don't know if if you're if you're doing a plan for a neighborhood where you really want to be holistic about you know both housing but also childcare and uh, um, uh, school capacity and parks you want to do it well and you want to make sure that you get to the right place and and it needs to be an iterative process between developers and communities and do it right uh, it doesn't mean that every project needs to be that way some are just no brainers. But if you want to do things well and you want to get the engineering right, you need to consider if, if something's going to stand up or not. Uh, there are other things like when I was proposing that we just allow responsible adults to have a drink together in a park or uh, uh, I, I just think it's like, why, why do we need pilots to find out if like somebody can have a drink with each other? Like, it, it just, I don't Gosh, know. You trust, you trust Torontonians to be responsible? Who are you, our father? <laughs> Quite the opposite. I don't. I don't know if my father would have uh, trusted me to do that. But, um, but, but honestly, like, but it, because it's like it's not like we're inventing a wheel. Like every other city, like major cities in the world, like this is normal. Chaos has not reigned. Anarchy didn't prevail. Like you know, and even like the things that people worry about, like oh my gosh, what if somebody gets drunk and acts badly? Well, that's already happening. Like, I'm not condoning that behavior. And if somebody acts drunk and disorderly, there are laws about that. If people are littering, that's a problem. If people are, you know, peeing in the bush, they shouldn't do that. But that's that's an existing problem because that's about behavior. But the average person, if we just allowed it to be a legal thing, isn't all of a sudden going to lose their head and go, oh, my God, I'm going to, like, go and start a riot. Like, come on. They're going to just have a beer with a friend on a bench or have a picnic with a glass of wine uh, that, like they do in cities around the world and everybody's happy now. Uh, I also, I mean, I see other things that we can do, like, like uh, uh, streets, uh, cities around the world have like animated streets and street performers and and a really like vibrant, um, um, you know, scene on on you know on their waterfronts, for example. Here, there's like this laborious thing that you got to go through where you get a permit and you've got to pay like over forty bucks. And it, why do we make things difficult um, when it comes to just? having a little more fun, having vibrant animated spaces. Cafe TO, for example, like it took a pandemic literally to to get the city to finally reimagine how we use our streets, support businesses and have that really cool, sexy cafe life that they do and like they do in other places in the world. 
And now that the pandemic is waning, oh, hey, let's make it really difficult again. Like that's almost like the default position. We don't need to do that anymore. Um, and so the approach that I'll be taking as our mayor is that if something actually needs a little more time to be thought out, of course, you don't rush something and then break it. But if there are things that just don't, if it's, if the case is thoughtfulness, then we'll take it a little slower. But if the, if the issue is timidity, no, no more of that. Like, let's actually just do things that we know are right and helpful and, and get on with things. So, but, but not in a sort of a strong mayor of action, you know, break through a wall and don't care if I destroy something white. Like it's gotta be done well. I do like the image of uh, Josh, the Kool-Aid man, mayor. <laughs> That's awesome. Great image. Now, um, so also just as an aside, yeah. most of the time when, when we do these, these interviews, um, the questions I ask are based on kind of what the interview is, has, has talked about. Now, Josh, specifically with you, I did plan ahead only because as one of the um, the the higher polling candidates, you do have more opportunities at at debates and and other sort of things to get your platform out. So so I thought it was more important for to kind of maybe ask about maybe what's not necessarily key, key things. So like this question I have um, you know, in 2018, after the the province, in our great wisdom, elected uh, Doug Ford as premier, uh, he did a very th- fun thing to Toronto City Council. He uh, he cut it in half. I Just remember. Fun. Just yeah. uh, you know, a grand old grand old time. Really, uh, we really love that for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah and I really enjoyed that too. Understandably, we have big problems to deal with in 2023 in the city of Toronto, you know, restoring city council to its original size maybe isn't top of mind for both voters and candidates. You know, it's not something that's been brought up, but I'm curious if there is any sort of thought about if that's something worth looking into, something worth chasing, something not even worth thinking about while Doug Ford is still premier. Do you have any thoughts on, on the, the council size? I mean, my my thoughts are are reflective of my position consistently. I uh, I think it was just it was a it was a big mistake, um, and it it was done without any real consideration for the consequences. It was done as sort of a political statement, or some people think it was just like getting back in council. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know his motivation, and it's impossible to get into his head in that way. But um, it didn't. Like even if you cut council in half, it doesn't mean that the workload gets cut in half, and it just means that there's less opportunity for councillors to get into the depth of those relationships on the ground, working with communities on on the issues that are really important to them, spend time to actually understand the issues, um, and the oversight, like sitting in the committees and actually, you know, you hear about reading reports, and it you know it might make your eyeballs roll, but it means actually understanding if. Like when I was an audit committee, for example, understanding if there's been fraudulent behavior, understanding how to improve services and um, and make things work better. Like you want that oversight, you want that accountability, and counselors do do work on that. And um, he, Doug Ford, framed it as well. You've got one MP and one MPP, so why can't you just have one counselor for the same riding? And the reality is that their jobs are different. If you actually understand them, like counselors. MPs and MPPs don't get called to like 
you know, get right into the weeds into like local community issues. And counselors do, and for good reason, because that's what we want our local representatives to do. We want them to understand our communities in a, in a, in a real way. So um, I, I, I think that was a mistake. And if there's a way to correct that, I would support that. But it's not the only thing. Like I, I when I refer to a financial and governance framework that will work for Toronto, I believe we need to work with other municipalities. We we can't do it alone, in my view, just because uh, the other levels of government, uh, you know, A, if they support Toronto, they'll be considering, well, well, what about another city? Or we want to win votes in that other riding? Or uh, what if we look like we like Toronto too much? Or um, it's important to understand what other big cities in Ontario and across Canada are experiencing when it comes to new arrangements for uh, transit operating, social housing, courts, you name it. And we need to work together to uh, negotiate more successfully with Queen's Park uh, and Ottawa on, on a number of priorities where they can be of assistance. But ultimately, my approach with Doug Ford to achieve that is not going to be the go along, get along approach that my predecessor had. I'm, uh, I think you need to go into every negotiation from a position of strength with a bully, because if you don't, he's going to roll you over. And as you alluded to, that's what he's done every single time. And our city is more broke and we have less power, strong mayor, but a weak Toronto. And that's not acceptable. Absolutely. You know, I'm just aware of our time. Uh, Phil, I'll give you the last question. I just got a couple of quick ones for you. Um, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I'm just wondering if you, uh, well, it, it, this has nothing to do with the election. Mm. Uh, recommendation for, for a restaurant in your writing. I, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Oh my gosh. Um, so I bet, many. You, I bet you didn't know you were going to get that one. Yeah. You know, there are so many, for some reason, like the first one that comes to mind is Albert's real Jamaican. Really? And, uh, yeah, seriously. And by the way, it doesn't mean that I just want to be really clear. It doesn't mean that it's my only favorite. I think it's because I'm hungry <laughs> and his jerk chicken is extraordinary. Uh, so I just, anyway, that's, that's where my mind went. Um, but there, there, honestly, there are so many, um, like the Zezefoon that, uh, uh, at Manor and Young, which is an amazing Syrian restaurant. There's, I mean, we're very fortunate, not only in the area that I represent, but across our city to have like such a diversity of different foods and, uh, um, you know, like, you know, Scarborough, I reminded everybody of this recently. Scarborough had Scarborough got written up in the New York Times recently for having like some of the most extraordinary and a diverse array of different restaurants uh, anywhere you can find. I didn't um, know that. Even more than patties. They've got great patties. <laughs> and patty king. <laughs> that's, but just truth be told, that's not the only Scarborough cuisine. It's true. That's awesome. And then uh, I mean. You know, Phil and I are. If you ask Brad Bradford, I think that would be the only Scarborough cuisine he'd know. There, there, there is more. There is more. Babu's <laughs> like, there's more. There's many. Phil and I are wondering if you're planning a a a, a, a party, I guess, uh, for election night. Yes, That's of course. Awesome. Hopefully, we're uh, hopefully we make the cut. I would, I would, I would <laughs> love you to come by. But I must say, like I, I, I mentioned this to my team the other day. I am very aware that um, we we have a lot of work to do over the next three weeks. Um, you know, I'm very grateful that I'm, you know, I'm consistently leading the polls uh, within the top three. Uh, Olivia, admittedly, very, you know, far ahead. 
and then Mark Saunders and I sort of going up and down between second and third. And I and I feel grateful uh, that that we're that we're there. Um, but I do see natural ceilings uh, for the other two candidates, and I believe that uh, you know the public um, really does understand that. You know, I'm not like I'm not. I don't have some big party machine uh, supporting me. I don't have Doug Ford supporting me. I don't have like some of the other candidates, like literally like Nick Cabalas or Ontario Proud or any of these people involved in my campaigns. I'm running a campaign that is like genuinely focused on our priorities. And I'm excited about the victory party. And then I know that like literally the day afterward, um, I'm going to be uh, uh, addressing some significant challenges given uh, the financial uh, uh, situation that we're in and all the many priorities that have been unmet um, and under-resourced. And my job will be to, in a really honest, upfront way, engage Torontonians on, on providing these solutions that I'm putting forward in my platform. And I'm really happy to see even some of the other candidates um, uh, enjoy many, many items on my platform. So it's good. Just, fair, fair <laughs> does, it, does it have to be a fellow counselor to be the speaker? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Ah, oh, damn it. Okay, I can't. You can't just. What, were you hoping to do it? Me up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it could be fun. I think it'd be great. Oh, you yeah, could... I think you'd bring a lot of entertainment to the to the meetings. Um, you but... know, if you wait until twenty twenty six, and I I get my well, actually, it might know, be before that. Maybe like, it, might, it might be before then. Uh, I've uh, the last municipal election I ran in uh, Scarborough <clears throat> Southwest. Uh, you I know did what? very poorly. <laughs> <laughs> But but Gary Crawford might be running uh, provincially, so you have your chance again. And I, of course, will be, me, baby. I of course will be running against uh, Vincent Crisanti. Um, I, I, uh, I think I think um, uh, the residents of Etobicoke North uh, would be well served by uh, somebody uh, other than Vince Crisanti. Nice guy, by the way. Nice guy, just not always. Uh, uh, I'm not not always impressed by his voting record. I agree. So I was glad that you had brought up the the cafe to because of course we've been hearing in the last couple of days sort of that it's been a mess this sort of new this new fee based um, and the application seems like they're not being touched yet it's like a very slow process versus what was going on uh, during the pandemic now my question to you actually isn't about uh, cafe to you know bureaucratic hurdles but it, it's <laughs> but. But specifically something you had said, the keyword being fun. Um, Toronto, at the moment, it feels like Toronto sort of has this this image. And I, I don't think it's entirely the city's fault. I mean, we just went through a pandemic for the last three years and everything's sort of been shuttered and, and hard and everyone's sort of, you know, gotten into a shell of themselves. Maybe I'm projecting right now. Um, but what, what would a Mayor Matt Lau do to make the city vibrant, to attract tourism back, to to get us going, to make Toronto fun, to make Toronto like Montreal without the French. <laughs> I'm happy to have some French here too. Um, <laughs> Josh, I need a strong anti-French candidate right now. I'm joking. Please, you can uh, you can parlez-vous all you want. Me. You <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I actually think uh, we could learn a lot from the French when it comes to the uh, patio culture, um, and uh, and certainly uh, from the mayor of France when it comes to a multimodal city. Um, but I think, you know, to answer your question, um, I, 
I really believe that um, our city can be far more vibrant. I'd like to see more pedestrianized areas. I'd like to see street life, street performances. Uh, I'm going to be making significant investments into arts and culture. Um, I'm going to be, um, you know, upping the per capita that we invest into the uh, community. I'm going to be uh, putting more of a portion of the hotel tax toward uh, the arts throughout our city in every corner of our city. Uh, I, but I also believe that by improving services, fundamentally creates a um, a base to be able to then go to uh, companies like tech companies that might otherwise set up in warm weather climates like Houston or Miami around in California and say, this is a great place to set up shop. This is where your employees will want to live because we've got this amazing city that people want to come to. Um, and ultimately, you know, if we, if we allow people like, I mean, I know the drinking in parks thing for some people are like, that's not a big deal, but it's just, I think it symbolizes just the ability for people to enjoy the city in a way I remember like speaking of Paris and not to say that we're going to completely emulate it and, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and however you feel about the French language, I, I like it, you don't, but some of uh, the best cafes are outdoor cafes are, are in yeah. Europe. Yes. So, but I remember sorry. like they've got this festival, this wine festival uh, called Beaujolais. And during, during that, that time, like people, not only in a park, people like walk, walk these beautiful streets with a glass <laughs> of wine and celebrate and have fun. And you know what? everyone's happy there's like no riots it's okay grown-ups like enjoy each other and have fun and there's music and people will sit at cafes and you know and it's and it and and the street is vibrant and animated that's what we want toronto to be and um so i want you know i want to support our arts culture our arts and culture communities i want people to know that you know we're going to be creative about you know um you know how we design our city and ultimately I want people around the world to look to Toronto and say, oh my gosh, can you believe what they're doing over there? Isn't that amazing? I want us to get out of that insecure culture that we have, you know, often in Canada where we're always like, did somebody in the States talk about us or, you know, or, you know, can't we be like somewhere else? I want somewhere else to look at us and go, oh my gosh, Toronto is amazing. They're, they're a leader to combat the climate crisis. They're a leader in, 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 in designing their cities. Uh, they're not allowing, you know, crappy contracts like Astral to leave us with like this Tonka toy plastic garbage bins that break all the time. Like they're, they're, you know, they're not just designing squares like Dundas that are like the best concrete can give you. Like I want people to see Toronto as something special because I see it as something special, but we're not meeting our potential. And I want to drive that. I want to, I want to get going. You know, that's, God, that's amazing. Um, speaking of uh, speaking of which, Josh, how many years left are we on that uh, that contract for uh, for those garbage bins? Um, I I'm blanking, but it's soon. It's like really soon. Like it's within. I think, oh shit, really? Uh, I was thinking like no, another no, twenty years, like two or three years. Like I think I think we have an opportunity to. Oh, amazing! To uh, do something a lot better, and I would I would actually submit bring it in house so we actually have control over it. And by the way, on that we'll note, bring it back I, public. I, I have an engagement that I've got to start running to. Um, and you know what? I was just about to send you off. I, I you. apologize. We kept you a little bit longer oh, than we normally do. Um, Josh, I'm very glad to have you here. It's been great to talk to you. I was very happy to meet you last week. You are a stand-up guy. I'm really excited for your candidacy. Thank you. Um, Josh, if, if you'd like to leave us with a few last words before you go, uh, we'd really appreciate that. And thank you so much for joining us. 
my my delight. No, I, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. I'd love to come back. By the way, like I, I, this has been a lot of fun. And um, you know, my my I guess remaining message here is, uh, I obviously hope people will vote for me. Um, I really will work hard in a genuine, honest way to uh, improve our quality of life and make the city work. My website is Josh. Ma uh, sorry, my website that was my other one. My my election website is Vote Matlow. .ca. Please check it out and then read the details of what I'm proposing with exactly how I'm going to pay for them. But the most important message I can convey is regardless of who you vote for, please vote. We started this conversation about how few people do go and vote and get engaged. Um, this is your city, right? We're the ones who want to work for you and, and represent you, but this is your city. And this is your opportunity to define the future of our city. So please go and vote. It takes minutes. Just go in there and vote. It's a great experience. And I would encourage everyone to do so. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, for coming on and talking to us. And that was Josh Matlow. I'm ashamed to admit that I enjoyed that a little too much. <laughs> you know, I like Josh. What can I say? You know, when I know you're not a wrestling person, but uh, in 1996, when Shawn Michaels won the title at WrestleMania, you could hear uh, Vince McMahon's voice going, the boyhood dream has come true. And that's what's going through my head for you right now. It's like <laughs> you got to talk to Josh Matlow. Of course, you've spoken to him uh, away from, but this is on air. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. I, I think it went really, really well. You know, he hit on all the key points. He is he is the anti-Ford. And by the way, for those of, and, and, and even in Josh Matlow's uh, uh, camp, I'm big Rob Ford uh, supporter. But if you listen to the show, we don't like Doug Ford here. There, there are two different people. And I mean, I, I know we're not, we're not talking about Rob Ford. We're not like <clears throat> getting into it. But I mean... There's obviously Rob Ford, the spectacle, which is what most people saw. And there's a, you know, <laughs> there's a different Rob Ford to the people who saw him before the spectacle who really liked him. You know, so it's, 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 it's hard to talk about Rob Ford because most people assume you're talking about Rob Ford, the, the spectacle. You know what I mean? The most must-see mayor of all time. Um... Yeah, that's right. The only the only Canadian mayor to ever go on the Tonight Show, and Jimmy um, Kimmel. But getting back to Matlow, I mean, he answered every question with dignity. Oh, well, anyway, it was a great interview, and uh, we do thank him again for coming on. Now let's uh, let's let's update people. You know, um, we'll get into it later. I. I was called, I was given superpowers today. No, I'm not high. So I, I was. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so it, it's not a visual, it's not a visual <laughs> podcast. So nobody could see the evolution of my face, but I had a good moment there. So this is something I'm only going to give you this little tease. We're going to get into it next week uh, in a more detailed version uh, because I think it's come to this. I got a phone call today from a certain someone who I'm not going to talk about this week. Uh, we're going to talk about it next week. And I was told, I was accused. I was given superpowers in an accusi 
accusatory uh, tone. Accusatory? Uh, thank you. I can't speak today. Um, I was told that I am dividing the city and I'm turning people against each other. And my response to this was, I, I had two responses. I said, I don't have that power. And then I said, if you're giving me that power, if you're giving me these superhero powers, what's my superhero name? Matt, are you willing to reveal who this is right now? I'm so curious. <laughs> you, you can say no. I'm just, I am beyond curious. It was Ashen Fernando. <laughs> oh, um, fuck that guy. Oh, sorry. Should I not say that on air? Um, <laughs> No, no, that's that. That's <laughs> that's not something that you can't defame. But you can't defame someone by saying "fuck that guy." You'd have to be like, "Well, he did this." Anyway, I, like I said, we're gonna get into it more next week, um, because we're gonna have special guest on next week uh, to help sort through the shit pile that was dropped on me today i'm excited to hear about this i want to talk about briefly about the signs i gotta get this off my chest so this past week after we recorded and we released our episode it was sign week it was sorry sign day was sign day now i don't know you're from scarborough i deliver all over toronto I, I'm going to ask you, and then I'll, I'll tell you mine. What is the sign that you've seen the most? Um, so that's a that's a good question. I, to be honest, uh, my commute, I get on a bus, and I'm very quickly at a TGC station. So for the most part, I don't see a lot of signs. I will tell you, okay, uh, a couple of Olivia Chow, a couple of Mark Saunders. What has surprised me is not at anyone's house, but like on the road next to the cemetery by where I live. And I, I think you should be embarrassed to be placing signs there, a bunch of signs, a lot of Anna Bailau. A lot of Anna Bailau on, on the public property places that, you know, people put signs where, you know, where signs kind of always congregate in your area. That's where the Anna Bailau signs are going, which makes me wonder is, are nobody requesting bylaw signs now? Interesting. Uh, but beyond that, I've uh, when my dad took me to Walmart, I saw I saw this one um, Gao. Have you heard of him? Number he's he's number forty four on the ballot, and I only you know, know that because he put that on the sign. You know, it's funny that you should say that because that's the sign I've seen the most. So. There was, oh, a, shit. Well. there was a day last week where I had to do some deliveries on Bayview. So I get off at Bayview in the 401 and I go south to Bayview and Lawrence. And from Bayview and 401 to Bayview and Lawrence, there were over 100, maybe maybe 150, I'm not sure, signs of Zayahua Gong. Philip, who the fuck is Zayahua Gong? I, you know, I, the only thing. And that's this is an interesting electoral strategy. The only thing I've heard about this guy is that everyone has seen his signs. Um, I have no idea what his platform is, what his policies are. 
I I think he's just banking on the fact that there'll be people who want to vote and will be like, oh, I've seen that guy in his face. He's number 44. Phil, I think that's I think that's his electoral strategy. But signs come out of your 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 donations. So who the fuck is donating to this guy? Uh, over and and where I live, there are smaller signs, but they're still signs. And I swear to God, these ones and the ones on Bayview, they're like between fifteen and forty feet apart. Boom, 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 as you go. And I'm like, so if I miss this sign, I got this one right here. What it? What, what a waste of. I mean, because you could burn the wood in the sign, but what a waste of labor. I'll say, what a waste of labor. Because you can't get labor back. Um, I, I don't know, dude. I, so I, I've never, I've never heard this, I've never, about signs. I've never heard this guy speak before. I, I don't know who he is like you. Uh, we did reach out because I reached out to every candidate. I reached out to him. I never heard back. So I moved on. And I, you would think that someone who apparently has that kind of budget would be talking and, and, and conversing and, and going and to interviews and debates and all that kind of shit. So I don't know, uh, go ahead with your point. I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> no, no, no. And it's, it's not like um, it's not a specific gripe with anyone's campaign, <clears throat> but it's more like a, so here's the thing uh, you and I, I mean, we're, we're paying attention politically to stuff, you know, so the two signs I'm looking at um, next door at the gas station, <laughs> I'm, I'm pointing as if people can see me. And again, as if this is a visual podcast, which is not. Um, there's an Olivia Chow sign and a Mark Saunders sign. And OK. And so this is more, more my question of how how do you think average people approach this sort of stuff? On Olivia Chow's sign, there's a website. And on Mark Saunders sign, there's a QR code. Does anyone actually use QR codes for anything? Not me. Like, do people? Yeah. Like, I, and that's the thing. I, I don't have a phone that has data. So I'm not, I'm not constantly taking my phone out to use the QR scanner, like out in the wild. Um, but I don't know if, like, cause I can see how that would technically be more convenient than a website. But who in the real world actually uses QR codes? Here, here's my problem with, with, the science specifically let's start with mark saunders okay would you agree that most maybe some people if not most don't know there's an election going on unless there's signs everywhere i think the sad thing is i think that's true okay so go with me for a second mark saunders sign says mayor mark saunders so if oh. I'm someone who's not paying attention, I'm doing my own thing. Maybe I'm 19 again. I can dream. Uh, and I see Mayor Mark Saunders. And, it, and, and then it, we get to election day and I'm like, hmm, well, he's going to win anyway. So I'll just vote him because he's already the mayor. It says Mayor Mark Saunders. It doesn't say elect. It doesn't say reelect. It doesn't say for mayor. It says Mayor Mark Saunders. Would you agree with me that that is misleading and or disingenuous? So, Matthew, what's very funny is um, to, to ask this question about the website of the QR code. I was going to post it on my Twitter, 
like I had taken a picture of the two signs, right? Mm-hmm. So in this moment, I'm looking at the Mark <laughs> Saunders sign. Holy shit. I didn't notice that. I didn't I didn't notice that it doesn't say elect. I mean, neither does Olivia Chow, but it says Olivia Chow for mayor. But Mark Saunders, it just says, you're right, it says mayor. Mark Saunders. Protect Toronto's future. I would say it's it I would say it is misleading. Um yeah, it's misleading. I don't I don't know like how worried we should be about I don't know. I guess that is a good point. Should we be worried about misrepresentation? And a bylaw sign also says just mayor. It doesn't say Ooh. for mayor, doesn't say elect, doesn't say re-elect. It says Anna Bailau, mayor. See, this 100% shows my uh, my ability to pay attention and my ability to read. Because, uh, you know, I'm seeing their signs, my eyes just glaze over. But yeah, that's, I don't know, that's, now, that's putting the cart before the horse. We have to talk about the funniest sign in the whole bunch. And of Ooh. course I'm referring to Garage Brad, Brad Bradford's <laughs> Oh no, I loved uh, your, I loved your I loved where you pointed that out. Garage sale with the arrow pointing towards the mayoral signs. But no, oh I'm actually gosh. I'm actually talking about Brad Bradford's sign, which quotes you don't have to move to Hamilton. Oh my god. Less like, talk, more action, Brad Bradford. I mean you know, at this point, considering um, at this point, we're not going to get Brad Bradford on the show in terms of the mayoral election. Oh, actually, before I rag on Brad Bradford, I want to give him a, a single solitary shout out. Um, him and his wife are in the hospital right now. Um, she's about to give birth to their second child. So for that, I give them a hearty and honest congratulations. Yes, congratulations you know, I, are in order. I didn't even didn't even know his wife was pregnant. Really didn't come up as part of their campaigning or anything. No, and listen, but, we 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 don't hate anybody. We're just calling it like we see it. We can't ignore the stuff that some people are, are willing or or paid to ignore. Uh, we're not paid to ignore anything. So we're gonna if we see shit, we're gonna call it out. Unfortunately. More often than not, it lands on Brad Bradford. <laughs> it is, truly does. Which is which is no disrespect. You're welcome on the show anytime, Brad. Um, but your sign, you don't have to move to Hamilton. I don't know if who should be more upset about that sign, Hamilton or Toronto. I mean, I think it's it's an interesting juxtaposition of are you suggesting that people were thinking, uh, you know, if my financial situation doesn't get any better, I'm going to have to leave Toronto for Hamilton. And I've, I've got to tell you, I feel like that's, it's part of Brad Bradford's very tone deaf campaign, because if you're moving out of Toronto, because you can't afford to live in Toronto, you're not going to Hamilton. That's, well, that's just. Well, here's the thing. I think it was actually a shot at the NDP because former NDP, oh. Ontario NDP leader is now the mayor. Andrew Horwath. That's very. I guess so. I didn't think of it that way. Um, I would say it's a sloppy, a sloppy slam because you could, uh, you could do plenty of things to make fun of the NDP, but uh... <laughs> Chloe Brown, <laughs> Chloe Brown quote tweeted this sign. I'm going to read it. She writes, 
they are so out of touch that they don't get uh, that working class and poor residents of this city can't afford to move anywhere. Moving is a privilege. Hashtag Teal Pauli. I mean, she's 100% right. And I mean, that's, let's be real. A lot of the positivity around the Chloe Brown campaign is simply the fact that she speaks the truth. Not, you know, nothing more complicated than that. She's, she's honest. She's upfront. She's a real person. And that's a very, you know, people talk about if you can't afford to live in blank, just move to blank. But I mean, the way pricing on everything is rising so rapidly in this province, where can you go that you'll be safe from these increases regardless? And even then, uh, I mean, we we'll have a chance to talk about this later. I don't want to I don't want to ruin the bit for next week. But, um, you know, we we should be working on making the city more affordable. And Absolutely. You know, before we move on to a different topic, because we talk, we're talking right now about Brad Bradford, I have to ask you this. Because you, between the two of us, you seem like the more Brad Brad... You're the Bradford um, aficionado. Twitter troll. Oh, okay, I was whatever gonna, like. I was going to say aficionado. <laughs> all right is he trying to lose this mayoral campaign you know i'm I'm gonna tell you at a certain point i understood what he was doing you know he was sort of positioning himself kind of on the right and and going up that path now mark saunders essentially sort of emerged as the the front runner of the right-leaning candidates oh god but but there were a bunch of people who, and it's a very, it's, I actually, I'd love to have a, a breakdown of this election on the conservative end of this uh, election, because, so Mark Saunders is in the lead for conservative candidates, right? Oh, God. But there's so many people, including um, my dad, um, someone I know at the building I work at, who I, I don't want to get into detail but who can't vote for Mark Saunders based on his record as police chief. So it's, it's, it's gotten some people on the right looking for alternatives to Mark Saunders, which you, <laughs> Brad Bradford would have been in a great position to snatch them up, but somehow that sale missed him and hit uh, municipal guest Anthony Fury, which I think explains his interesting rise in the polls. You know, I, I don't know. I, I'm having trouble deciding if these are missteps by Bradford or he is intentionally trying to lose this race just by clogging up the vote. I, I'm 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 not suggesting anything nefarious. I'm just at this point I have to it wonder. feels like he's being I don't I don't think it's an intentional strategy to clog up the vote i do get the sense that he's given up winning you know and and i i think when there was a chance for candidates to drop out on may 12th i i think i don't know if i'd sit it on the show but i'm pretty sure i'd sit it on my twitter i didn't anticipate there to be any candidate who would not who would let 
who would not let their egos get in the way to drop out and endorse someone else. I figured no one would do that. And I was correct. Everyone in my mind, I think every single person running wants to be the guy, which I mean, there's technically there's nothing wrong with that. As, as I also said previously, uh, when you're running, when you're going for this sort of thing, the only person's intentions that you really can trust are your own. So I get, I get not dropping out, but you're right. In the last few days, it really feels like Bradford's sort of just given up. I would argue the same for Mark Saunders. Maybe you think he's a, given up? Maybe to a lesser degree. He's he's canceling. Uh, uh, there's two that I know of debates where he either said no thanks, I'm good, or confirmed and then canceled. I'm not sure uh, 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 which one was which. But if you're a top six candidate, why the fuck would you not go? Why would you cancel? Because it's it's an opportunity not only for your own voice to be heard, but for you to combat the other voices so that people... You know, the, my favorite part of the debate, of any debate, is watching it and then deciding for myself... Who won the debate? Not listening to the, the commentators afterwards. I mean, I'll listen to them once I've decided who won. But yeah, that's that's what I, I like to think for myself. Who won? Well, if you're not there, you don't win. You know, um, Eminem said it best. Yes, I'm going back to him. Eminem, the <laughs> rapper, the greatest rapper of all time, I'll have you know, said it best. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Hey, I'm pretty sure that came from Wayne Gretzky and also Michael Scott. That's anyway. Joke. It's all good. Um, but we, I mean... Sorry, go ahead. I, I, like, I feel like those are some interesting points, and it almost makes you want to ask... Because I, I do feel like when you do have... I, I feel like I'm, gonna, I'm about to rag on, on conservatives uh, in provincial and federal politics, but... You know, well, for whatever reason, I just before you finish your thought, I just want to tease that before this episode is over, you're going to agree with Doug Ford on something. Go ooh. ahead. We'll we'll find out. <laughs> um, and what I find interesting about a lot of conservative candidates for MP and MPP is a lot of times in the run up to their elections, they just don't show up to debates. I don't understand the logic i don't know why but it's just i think there's a certain air maybe this is naive of me to say it seems as if they have the arrogance to think that they deserve to win even if they don't show up so my thought is with mark saunders at first when he was you know early on post-registration closing you know he missed a couple of those debates I think he had that sort of thought in mind of like, well, people know who I am. Uh, that name recognition is going to get me across the finish line. And then I think after a couple of those debates and as the polls showed like no movement and in fact, some loss for Mark Saunders, uh, I think that's when he started to decide that he should appear in some debates. Uh, but as you've noted, he has also even now still continues to, you know, Sometimes go, sometimes not. Sometimes accept an invitation and then drop out. It's it's a strange strategy. Like 
And you let's think... not forget, like we said last week, his recycled list of uh, chief of staffs. Oh, so, yeah. Like there's, there's there's whatever's going on. There is some turmoil. I would I would assume it's my opinion that there is turmoil going on inside his campaign. I'd be so interested to see if we could find out if there'll be like a post campaign like story on that. So let's talk about it. Earlier this week, there was serious death threats made to the candidates. Um, I've got actually a tweet here from our our boy, Josh Matlow. Oh. It says, sadly, there has been a serious threat made toward candidates running in the mayoral election. We have closed our campaign office until the police advise that the suspect has been apprehended. I have also told the organizers of tonight's debate that I will not be attending. Uh, given given the risk to public safety, debates are a very important part of our local democracy, and we will work closely closely with the organizers and other campaigns to reschedule at the earliest opportunity and when it is safe to do so. Uh, and then, for fun, I've got a uh, a tweet from Blake Acton. Oh, and his reads Blake Acton's mayoral team will not be attending any debates tonight as a result of this threat and because oh my god some of the one-sided hosts have not invited me anyway so there so are... you weren't gonna go anyways sorry so... <laughs> right. so there are some privileges to be to being shunned from debates what a stupid thing to say he basically just said Oh man, it's great to be an unknown candidate because I'm not in danger of these death threats. What is wrong with you, Blake? What a stupid thing to say. And then I have uh, a quote from Brad Bradford. He tweeted, Earlier today, my campaign team was made aware of a death threat made online towards my fellow mayoral candidates and me. My family and campaign team team are safe. Thank you to the security team at City Hall and Toronto Police who are keeping everyone safe. My campaign will pause public events until the suspect is apprehended. Now, of course, days later, we're here and the suspect has been apprehended. Um, I'm wondering if you know or would you bandy a guess as to who you, and this is opinion-based, who you might think that these death threats would be levied against and why now? You know, that's that's an interesting question. You yeah. know, to be perfectly honest, if I'm if I'm gonna think that there's a particular candidate who might have a reason that someone might want to go through with this, as terrible as it sounds, I think it might be Mark Saunders for his previous role as being the top cop you know that puts you quite in a in a targeted position uh that seems to be my best guess as to if if there was a particular candidate they were targeting or i mean perhaps they were just going um maybe hey, they were i want to kill mayoral candidates you know maybe, like, maybe maybe they were going top six maybe but again uh, like, Seems like a listen. Okay, this is the satire parody parody uh, uh, moment we're, we're gonna go in into mine, here in Minecraft. 
Um, but for argument's sake, if you're going to go through the trouble of sending death threats, it's easier to just do one person and usually wait, <laughs> usually wait until they get elected. That's why people also, all joking aside, you wonder why presidents get shot going from, is it the white house to Capitol Hill or Capitol Hill to white house, whatever the car ride. That's where they get shot. They don't get shot on the campaign trail. They get shot during that car ride after they're already elected. Listen, I, I don't think we need to think too deeply about the motivations of, uh, of someone who had made a, I guess, a credible death threat against mayoral candidates. We don't, we don't have to go deep into their psyche. I'm, I'm not sure they thought very hard about this. And Phil, do you have anything? I think we should congratulate the job the Toronto police did in catching this guy and, uh, you know, easing our, our, our candidates' minds and the city of Toronto as well. You know, oh. And this is why we need, we do need police, but we need to control the spending. That's the problem. It's not. If you can control the spending, you'll be able to control the police. And I, I think that's fair. Like, it's, I mean, it, it, the whole situation really did seem like it came really out of nowhere. Um, I do have to say, I don't know about you. I know there are a few candidates who kind of made statements that were essentially kind of being like, uh, well, I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm, I'm above this. And it and I'm just to me, I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not above death threats. If you were elected and you were the mayor, you know, you would have to take these situations seriously. So to pretend that you're like too cool for it, that's no. If if the other like I'm not saying believe everything that comes out of the news or the police or whatever. But if all the other candidates are going, hey, we've received word of a credible threat, so we're going to chill, it's probably not in your best interest to go, uh, and that's why you're all cowards. I agree with you. Moving along, we have another shitty property management company to call out. <laughs> so have you ever heard of Asteroid Management Limited? Now, Matthew, I could be wrong. Is this the company that apparently Anna Bylaw was working for? I have no idea. Do you idea. know anything about that? Ah, okay. I have no idea. But I do have this letter that was posted on Twitter, and I'm going to read it. It says, Dear tenants of 1600 Bathurst Street, Asteroid Management Limited uh, has made the following changes to services and building amenities. Interrupt me if... Uh, if you have a point. Oh, is this, is this the thing where he basically talks about all the added charges? Yes. Oh my God. But no, please continue. Uh, as of July 1st, 2023, all parking spaces will be raised to $150 per spot. And I think he means per month as well. Uh, regardless of the time and amount tenants have been paying for parking, uh, tenants must also increase their last month deposit uh, to $150. Uh, 
Uh, there will be no visiting parking at all. That means <laughs> your guests cannot at any time park in the lane. The only exception is pick up or drop off, not to exceed 10 minutes. As of June 30th, 2023, the cost of using the washers and dryers will be raised up $1 per load each. As of July 1st, 2023, all lockers in the locker room will no longer be free. A charge of $35 per month will apply. You will also need to pay last month's uh, deposit if you wish to still use a locker. Only one locker per tenant. You must apply before June 1st, 2023. Uh, let me see. Tenants who do not want to pay this fee must remove their belongings by June 30th, 2023. The lock will be changed and a deposit must be made for the new key. $10 key deposit. As of July 1st, 2023, a fee of $15 per month uh, to, to use bike racks. One bike rack, or sorry, one bike per rack spot. Last month, a deposit is required. You must fill out a request form to use the bike racks. Any bike that is locked anywhere on asteroid management property will be removed. Tenants do not have permission to put locks anywhere on asteroid management property except the bike racks or lockers. As of June 1st, 2023... The fee per month to use air conditioners will be oh my god will be fifty dollars. If you have an air conditioner in your window, you must always pay the fee, even if you only use it one day of the month. The air conditioner fee must be paid on the first of the month, June to the end of September. You must register for. Parking spot, bike spot, and storage closet by June 15th, 2023 to use any of these. Forms will be provided upon request. Asteroid management. Phil, how do, do we, we how do we politely what do we say to asteroid management? Uh, do we tell them to go fuck themselves? Well, yes. These guys, I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I can't believe this is actually a thing. This is actually, I think it's, you could fight this in, in Landlord Tenant, but the problem is it takes eight months to get there. Fuck exactly. these guys. Asteroid management. Fuck you. This Go is on. what's interesting to me. Uh, as you just pointed out with the Landlord Tenant Board, you know, being so behind and, you know, it takes so long to, to get anything going. They're just asking. They are begging the tenants in that building to go on a rent strike. Like they're they're not even hiding their contempt for for the residents of that building. They and if they have any sense, they will come together and not pay rent. Absolutely. And with that, we got two other things to address, and then we'll get out of here. You know that I I really am a big fan of most of our rookie city councilors. But tisk tisk, I have to... <sighs> Who are you calling out, Matthew? As, as, 
as you know, and I haven't, it's not like this is a big secret or I'm hiding it. Oh, please don't find this out. I am outright telling you, because apparently, according to some people who listen to the show and then say, oh, no, I don't listen to the show. Bullshit. Um, (laughs) You know, listen and you'll, you'll hear because I don't have anything to hide. I am not an Olivia Chow fan. I didn't think she was the answer in 2014. I don't think she's the answer in 2023. It's as simple as that. Has nothing to do with race, sex, gender, any, any, none of that stupidness. I don't think she's the right person to steer the ship. Period. I'm sorry if that offends you. I don't. I, I don't mean it to be a, a offensive. I really don't. Listen, Matthew. We have elections because we want to find out who the best person for the job is. And we're not all going to agree. Correct. So there's nothing There's nothing wrong with not being pro-Olivia Chow. I will say I have come to her defense online specifically for what I think are, I want to say, racist objections to her mayorality. And I'm not saying that any objection to Olivia Chow is racist. I'm saying there are specific instances that happen to be. Now, that's not really related to what we're saying. Well, the counselors I want to call out are, I see, I like these counselors. They're so good. And I would maybe attribute this to a rookie mistake. And like we do on the municipals, when we see something we don't like, we're going to call it out. We don't mean to disrespect. We hope you both come on the show, but I, I got to call it out to be fair all the way around. So I'm specifically talking about Councillor Jamal Myers and Councillor Amber Morley endorsing Olivia Chow for mayor. Matthew, before before you continue, I'd like to trip you up for a moment. Uh, this morning, Ozma Malik also endorsed Olivia Chow. <laughs> and I guess what? We'll, and I guess we'll throw her in there too. <laughs> I, <laughs> and I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say because we were there on registration day when uh, Councillor Moise and Councillor Ainsley stood behind uh, former Councillor Anna Bailau as she announced her candidacy and registered. And we didn't call that out. These are rookie counselors. And they're going to be there. Even if Olivia Chow wins. The, the mayorality they're going to be there long after she's gone and there's a phrase in wrestling um you 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 go to the ring and you conduct business and when it when it's shit when it's the drizzling shits as they call it you try not to get any on you and i'm just worried that once Olivia Chow, even if she wins and she's done being mayor and she she retires finally, uh, I, I'm worried. I'm worried that Councillor Myers and, and Councillor Morley, I, I don't want them to get any on them. You, you understand what I'm trying to say? I, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Now, of course, our listeners appreciate that we we do have different points of view. Um, personally, I and I mean we've we've talked about this. I, I haven't come out in support of Olivia Chow. Um, and that's not me. I have no, and again, I'm not, I'm not putting this idea on you. I have no opposition to a mayor Chow. 
I I think the city would have been better off in 2014 with her versus John Tory. Um, and I, I don't think the city would be too done bad by Mayor Chow now. Uh, I do have preferences above her that I will, I guess I'll state on the 19th, if that's our, if that's our date of, well, oh, that that's the date we're recording. Will will the episode mm. will be out on the twenty? I think it's the twenty first, probably. Yeah, right. Um, for me, my position on Olivia Chow has always been, and in fact, I I would have liked this opportunity to to have the chance to talk to her on the show, um, because I I don't have too big of a of an impression. I my my impression is simply that, um, I. Do truly believe she'll be a better mayor than John Tory? I don't know. Is how that trans- the bar? But but hold on. But hold on. But Matthew, but Matthew, the problem is that is the bar. That is the bar. But it's a low bar. It is an ex- listen, Matthew. It is an extremely low bar. The bar is like two inches above the floor. Okay. I wouldn't even give and, him that. And all we're <laughs> and all we're asking is better than John Tory. Uh, I think Olivia Chow can do that. And again, I think I really would have liked the opportunity to have gotten the chance to talk to her. Um, you know, we didn't, and that's unfortunate. It, it is what it is. But yeah, so like, I I disagree that it's a mistake for these counselors to endorse her, but I understand someone from your perspective seeing that. So I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong to feel that way. I just disagree. Well, let me throw this at you, and then we'll we'll wrap we'll wrap this up. As a whole, when you're having a because it, it it's hard when it's the quote unquote general election and the city councilors are running at the same time the mayor's running. But right now we're just doing a by election. Yeah, are, are you on board with all the councilors endorsing? Like there, we have twenty five councilors, and not every one of them has endorsed. You know that's. I guess that is that kind of comes down to a more interesting ethical question. Um, oh, that is a good question, Matthew. That's a. I don't think I have a problem with um, with counselors endorsing. Um, yeah, I. Because what happens if there's a group? Let's say there's three counselors that endorse one candidate, like Olivia Chow. Let's say for for argument's sake that she doesn't win and somebody like Josh Matlow wins. And then so those three counselors didn't endorse Josh Matlow. No, I but here's well, okay. Here it's it's the double-edged sword of oh my god. Matthew, I think you're gonna enjoy how I phrase this. It's the it's the double-edged sword of trusting the government. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's you okay and actually here's the thing by the basis of your question your your assumption is that these adults will act like you know burnt petulant children and kind of you know be spurned based on their endorsement or not endorsement um it's and, but the truth is no you're right and that's listen that's the one side of the double edge there, there is the chance that they will react that way. The other end is, God, we really hope that we've elected some adults in the room to realize, hey, my choice didn't win, 
but let's work together with who did win for our shared priorities. Now, again, Matthew, I'm asking a lot to say, let's hope that that's the situation. Again, it's, oh, I should make that a phrase for myself, the double yeah, but... sword of trusting the government. <laughs> Would Okay, so what I'm trying to figure out is if there's if there could be a basis of an argument for conflict of interest, let's take it out of politics for a second. Okay, you said okay. you're you said you're a security guard. Okay. Let let's pretend it's you and six other guys at your site, and y'all one of the six of you is going to be the new supervisor. Okay, that's. Do, do you think it's right for your quote unquote coworkers? To vote. See, it's different from from my point of view. It's different when the media endorses different media outlets, the Sun, the Star, Global, CP24, even even podcasts like us. And there's another podcast that's covering the election. Um, but anyway, it's different because the we have nothing to gain. We're just picking someone that's lines oh, up. With, I see what I'm saying. I see what you're saying. Okay, so it, maybe I'm it not articulating like, it properly. So, like the counselors, for they example, have to, they have to work with this person. Yes, and of course, you know these people who have publicly let's let's give the example that Olivia Chow. Um, well, okay, we'll we'll work with what we got. Amber Morley, Jamal Myers, Azma Malik. They've endorsed Olivia Chow, so. I could see a very safe assumption that people outside of that circle might see it as, oh, well, she won the mayorality. Those three are owed something. Is that that's sort of what you're you're landing on? Well, there's that. And it's like if she wins, yeah, they're they're going to be the quote unquote favored ones. But if she doesn't win and another candidate wins, then they're in the shitter. I don't Potentially. know. It's... Again, uh, I have to hope that the people in charge. No, I mean, I. Oh my God, Matthew, I can't say this to you with a straight face. As someone who ran for this position and is now paying attention to the government, I can't tell you with a good conscience that they will act like adults. <laughs> I, I can't. That's the problem. Is that I want to <laughs> say to you, oh Matthew, they'll they'll get it together. They'll get their shit together. But I can't promise you that. <laughs> because we watched them not get it together several times over but anyway let's move on to our quote-unquote main event of the evening where you agree with doug ford <laughs> listen we'll, we'll get there we'll see oh you know what actually i'm i'm i feel like i know what you're about to say so i i think you're right i think i will agree with doug ford no but you know what? I'll let you get to it and see if I'm correct. So this is a subject that I don't like to talk about. But for those of you that are not living under a rock, you are aware of who Paul Bernardo is. Paul Bernardo is a convicted sex offender from the 90s. Uh, he was labeled a dangerous sex offender. He was placed in Kingston Pen until it shut down. He was transferred to Millhaven uh, maximum security prison until recently where he was moved to a medium security prison in Quebec and I have a quote here from our premier Doug Ford that says that Paul Bernardo should quote 
rot in maximum security prison for the rest of his miserable existence. And I don't agree with Doug Ford on very much, but on this, I happen to agree. I'd love to hear what you have to think. Listen, uh, at the moment, I can say pretty solidly that two things uh, Doug Ford has said I've agreed with. Uh, number one, I guess I'll say right now, uh, Paul Bernardo should rot in hell. Good Fuck for that guy. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. And I mean, that's pretty light. I'm saying it very lightly for Paul Bernardo for us to just say, fuck that guy. That's very light. So I can agree when Doug Ford says that. The second thing I can agree with Doug Ford uh, is when he said he swallowed that beat. So uh, that happened, and he was correct when he pointed that out. He swallowed that beat. Um, that is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Paul Bernardo can rot in hell, and Doug Ford swallowed a beat. The two things I can, uh, I'm on team Ford for. And with that, I think we're done here. You know, um, I want to thank the listeners. With you, without you guys, we got nothing here. So thank you very, very much. Should we run through? Should we do that? Seems to be our thing. Let's do it. We got listeners in France, in Italy, Belgium, um, Venezuela. I'm missing one. Oh, St. Grenadines. Ooh. Um, I think you said that one before. And then in the States, we have Ohio, Virginia. Those got to start with Ohio, and that's because... They are the highest. Ohio. Oh, that's so good. (laughs) I mean, I was just going to talk about how... I wasn't even going to say anything clever. I'm just like, Ohio rules. I've got no reason to say that, but listen, that was, you nailed it. So Ohio, Virginia, North Carolina, New York, California, Texas, um, I think Indiana, yeah, Arizona, uh, Alabama, Florida, uh, Nevada. There's others I can't remember. Um, It's almost 30 states. So, I mean, I can't. I can't believe Governor DeSantis is listening to us. <laughs> oh, and then, uh, of course, here in our home, Canada. I mean, we have a few lis- few listeners across the country, but our main vessel is the listeners right here in Ontario, specifically in Toronto. We want to thank you guys so much because, again, without you guys, there would be no municipals. So thank you. Uh, next week, we're going to be back with a brand new episode. We are going to have MSA candidate, well, 2023 municipal candidate or mayoral candidate. Fuck, I'm already messing it up. Kiri Vetavalu's on. And we're also going to have fringe candidate Michael Nikula, I believe is his name. So look forward to those interviews. Next week, those will be our final interviews of the election season. I'm eager to get to the meat of the matter, and that's why these these interviews are coming to a close so we can get to the meat of the matter because the week following that, Philip and I are going to endorse a candidate, and it might not necessarily be the same candidate. Um, And we'll give reasons, and we'll cover other stuff in the show. And then election night... I'm thinking we don't record that night. We actually record the next night, Tuesday. And we're going to have a panel on. 
And I'm looking forward to that because Phil and I are going to hopefully attend an election party, a victory party, as they call hopefully. it. Hopefully. Hopefully. Well, I'm already so in. Please. I'm already oh. in. <laughs> I've already booked it off. I'm like, I'm going. But anyway, with that, we're done here. Um, Phil, do you have anything you want to address before we sign out of here? No, I think uh, I think we nailed it. Um, actually, without going into any details, without calling anyone in particular out, I'd just like to say um, right now, every we are the municipals. We're going to take a very small dig, you know, in our federal pals to say that um, the federal government, every single party, federal liberals, federal conservatives, federal NDP, federal black. I mean, I guess black is only federal. Uh, you're all embarrassing. You're all acting like children and uh, stop sucking at your jobs. I, I, I'm not going to go into more detail, but you all know what you're doing. You heard it right from Phil. Uh, and also, you know, in the coming weeks, we're going to cover like, we're, we're going to put on our provincial pals hat and we're going to talk about the Ontario liberal leadership. It's a subject that pisses me off and excites me all in the same moment. I know that sounds fun. weird, but it's true. No, 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 it'll be fun. Anyway, uh, for Phil and for Josh Matlow and for everyone else, thank you guys so much. We will see you next week. And this is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to like city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to uh, to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it. And two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to uphold. Uh,